Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokets And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Tuesday, February 9th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Thanks for joining us for this special edition of the Russ Bell Show. You're going to get triple your regular daily allotment of cannabis impresarios and experts on this show. Because coming up at half past, we have got our International Cannabis Business Conference special featuring Anthony Johnson, Debbie Goldsberry, and Ngayo Bielam. That's right. Three of the top West Coast experts on marijuana are going to be here on the show. And we're going to go an extended panel discussion with them. Uh, Anthony Johnson, of course, is the chief petitioner of Measure 91 here in Oregon that legalized marijuana for recreational use. Debbie Goldsberry is the longtime activist from Northern California. She was with the Berkeley Patients Group, among others. And uh, we'll find out what she's up to. But uh, she's joining us today. And of course, and Guy Obelum, former editor of uh, West Coast Cannabis and longtime marijuana activist and cannabis comedian, they'll be joining us for a wide-ranging discussion that's going to include the International Cannabis Business Conference, but also we'll ask Anthony about what's going on with medical marijuana in Oregon, how is the legislature trying to muck it up this time. Also, we'll ask Debian and Gaia what they think about the California Adult Use of Marijuana Act and some of the activists that are lining up to oppose that act. So, that's coming up here on the show as well. Uh, also on today's show, we're going to go behind the headlines to take a look at how marijuana prohibition is causing all sorts of police corruption. We got a story from here in Oregon where we find a corrupt cop and another story from California where we find a corrupt IRS agent. Then in drug war data mining, I was uh, prompted today by a discussion I had with the head of Two Is Enough DC on Twitter. That would be the anti-marijuana group in Washington, D.C. And we had a wide-ranging Twitter discussion. You can find it on my uh, Twitter handle, at Radical Russ, if you want to follow along. But uh, one of the points he made is how there's this terrible opioid epidemic in America, and uh, that's why we shouldn't legalize marijuana, because, you know, it's a, it's a gateway drug and all. I'm going to show you how not only is marijuana not a gateway drug, but marijuana is not to blame for the opioid increase and overdose rates. It's the DEA that's to blame. We'll show you all about that coming up in Drug War Data Mining. Then we've got that half-hour panel with Anthony, Debian, and Gaia. We're going to take it into Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio, so you can call in. You can actually dial in at 971-533-7111 if you've got any questions for Anthony Johnson, Debbie Goldsberry, or Gaia Bielam on today's show. Also in Hour 2, we're going to talk about Tonight's upcoming New Hampshire primary, they're voting on it right now in, in, in New Hampshire. Bernie Sanders, the only candidate remaining who seeks to legalize marijuana, 
seek, uh, should do pretty well in New Hampshire today. They're expecting him to win it by double digits. We're going to talk about why young people are so overwhelmingly in favor of Bernie Sanders compared to Hillary Clinton, his competitor for the Democratic nomination. And also in hour two, we'll have a little bit of time to talk about the latest scares about how pot is so much more potent now than it used to be. Oh dear, it's the potent pot scare again. We'll talk about that in hour two. Plus, take your calls at 971-533-7111. It's all coming up today on the Russ Bell Show, right here exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. Stay tuned. We're back with the Cannabis Radio News right after these messages. Make sure you're supporting our sponsors. They help us bring you Cannabis Radio 24 hours a day, absolutely free. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, cannabis nurse Heather. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, February 9th, 2016. As New Hampshire gears up for Tuesday's 2016 presidential primary, marijuana reform is shaping up to be a significant issue for both parties. New Hampshire is currently considering a marijuana decriminalization bill and two legalization bills, and polls show a majority of voters in the state support both moves, according to the Marijuana Policy Project. Nearly 60% of New Hampshire voters support legalization and 72% support decriminalization, according to July polling numbers from the University of New Hampshire Survey Center. Despite strong support for cannabis reform among residents, marijuana laws in New Hampshire remain some of the harshest in the country. Getting caught with any marijuana, even a minuscule amount, can
counts as a misdemeanor offense and carries up to one year in prison and up to $2,000 in fines. Anyone caught selling or intending to sell less than one ounce of pot, which is not very much, can be charged with a felony on their first offense and slapped with up to three years in prison and $25,000 in fines. The president of the Utah State Senate says a bill allowing the Utah medical pot use of edible products may not be dead on arrival just because the Mormon church opposes it. Senator Wayne Niederhauser, Republican of Sandy, told reporters Monday that he has concerns about the plan but can't predict how the full Senate will vote on the measure later this week or early next week. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints said Friday that it worries the measure would have unintended consequences. The church's opposition could be a serious blow to the plan. A majority of Utah lawmakers are member of members of the faith. At least one and possibly two senators have abandoned their support of a medical marijuana bill after the LDS church issued their statement opposing the measure. Niederhauser says there may be enough support for a more restrictive plan, allowing people with certain conditions to use a marijuana-infused oil. He also says lawmakers may have too many concerns to pass either plan. After months of being sidelined, a bill to legalize full-strength medical marijuana for terminally ill patients resurfaced in the Florida House Monday with a rewrite that restores the number of eligible growers to five. The bill, House Bill 307, was approved by the House Appropriations Subcommittee by a 9-2 vote, leaving it one more stop before getting to the full House. If approved, it will allow terminally ill Floridians with less than one year to live to have legal access to marijuana grown by the five authorized distributors. The bill and its companion, Senate Bill 460, is an expansion of the Right to Try law passed last year, which allows terminally ill patients to have access to experimental drugs not approved for general use by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The Senate version of the bill is ready for a vote in that chamber. Facebook has restored the page of one of three New Jersey medical marijuana dispensaries it shut down last week for violating the social media company's policy against promoting the sale of drugs. An official with Compassionate Sciences in Belmar said Monday that it got its Facebook page back over the weekend after removing photos of marijuana and prices. Another dispensary, Breakwater Treatment and Wellness in Cranberry, created a new Facebook page. A Facebook page was up for the third dispensary, Garden State in Woodbury, although it was unclear if it was a new page or the original that had been shut down. A spokesman for the business did not return a call seeking comment on Monday night. Facebook did not immediately respond to an email requesting comment. Marijuana use in the NFL is still banned and will remain so for the foreseeable future, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said Friday, quote, We are not restricted, obviously, by the state laws. It's an NFL policy, and we believe it's the correct policy for now in the best interest of our players and the long-term health of our players, Goodell said, adding, quote, I don't distinguish between the medical marijuana and marijuana issue in the context of my previous answer. Our medical professionals look at that. Until our medical professionals have changed their view, I don't expect that we will change our view, end quote. Meanwhile, medical professionals outside the NFL are providing proof that inhaled cannabinoids are the best preventative and restorative treatment for the brain damage suffered from concussions. Concussions, of course, causing a lawsuit by former NFL players that was settled for over $700 million by the National Football League. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, February 9th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville.
great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure. He kept us safe. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at how the war on marijuana corrupts our law enforcement and regulatory agencies. Two stories coming to you from the West Coast. First, we have a story from Warm Springs Reservation here in the state of Oregon, where Lonnie McEwen, age 44, a police sergeant for the Warm Springs uh, Police Department, is accused of setting up a marijuana sale through a series of text messages on his cell phone while in uniform and on duty in the department's squad room. He's charged with possession with intent to distribute marijuana and distribution of a controlled substance. This happened on January 20th, and McEwen was apparently unaware that the person trying to buy marijuana from him was a snitch. That's right, a confidential informant for the police. This is according to the federal affidavit, and McEwen told the informant he had a quarter pound of marijuana for sale and asked the informant if he was interested. That led to a series of texts where McEwen told the informant he was selling pot to help out a friend, and the pot was 31% THC at $200 an ounce. He was in the squad room while he was making these texts, 
and then actually dropped the price down to $100 an ounce right before the start of his shift. The sale occurred last Thursday when the informant agreed to meet the cop at his home in Warm Springs. At the home, the cop showed the informant four bags of marijuana he had in the fridge, sold him one bag, one ounce, uh, according to the affidavit, and showed the uh, informant his arsenal, a safe full of guns and rifles. The FBI took McEwen into custody Friday, and during the interview at the police department, the cop said he received about four ounces of marijuana from a friend in Washington and planned to give any money he made from sales back to his friend. He told the federal agents that he knew what he did was wrong, but declared that marijuana is legal everywhere else. <laughs> well, folks, recreational marijuana is legal in the state of Oregon and the state of Washington, but possession is illegal on the Warm Springs Reservation, where he was a cop. The Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs voted in December to allow growing, processing, and selling of marijuana on the recreational market, but that hasn't been made law yet. So this cop was fully in, in a violation of the Warm Springs laws against marijuana. And furthermore, just because marijuana is legal in Oregon, that doesn't mean you can sell it without a license. So he was in violation of those laws as well. When they searched his home, they found four bags of marijuana, the uh, aforementioned quarter pound, and about 60 joints st stored in a mason jar. Uh, they found 21 firearms and one firearm suppressor, you know, a silencer, right? So, um, what do you suppose happens to you and me if we get busted with a quarter pound of weed and 21 firearms, uh, and that weed was for sale? What do you suppose happens? You suppose that you get cuffs slapped on you and you get put into a cell and you get a, a outrageously high bail amount that you can't possibly make and... You end up behind bars until your trial and your arraignment, your arraignment and your trial, I should say. And uh, during that time, you can't make it to your job, so you get fired from your job, right? That, that's what happens to you and me, right? Well, here's uh, what happens to the cop. He was ordered to be released from custody Monday, right? So he's busted Friday, released Monday, on the condition that he doesn't travel outside of Oregon or Washington, yeah, so he's allowed to travel out of state. He's allowed to go to Washington State. He's not allowed to own or possess any firearms. Had to give up his guns. And he might be subject to a random drug test. He's due back in court for his arraignment uh, a week from today. Yeah, so while you and I would be sitting in a jail cell until next Tuesday, he's out running around, able to cross the river, go into Washington. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he's worked for the Warm Springs Police Department since 1995. He was promoted to sergeant in 2010. Uh, he was fired after his arrest. So, yeah, 20-year veteran of the police department trying to sell ounces of marijuana. And, and, and this idea that he's going to sell ounces of marijuana for 100 bucks and then give the money back to his friend, yeah, sure. The other story is an IRS story. This one's coming out of uh, California. Oh, I'm sorry. This is coming out of Washington. My, my bad. A Seattle marijuana dispensary where an IRS revenue agent sought a $20,000 bribe from a marijuana dispensary 
in order to save that dispensary $290,000 on its taxes. Uh, he's resigned from the IRS. He faces up to 15 years in prison and a quarter million dollar fine for the bribery charges. He says, quote, my recent actions have no place in the federal service and there's no way I could possibly write an apology to express the dissatisfaction and disgust I have within myself. I have let everyone down in the Seattle office and all across the United States and have brought a cloud of shame to the Internal Revenue Service. But he denies that he solicited a bribe. Instead, he's, well. <laughs> Look, I, you know, I, uh, I inhaled. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what the rest of the story is. IRS agent trying to get a $20,000 bribe to help out a medical marijuana dispensary. Marijuana prohibition corrupts. Happy 420 to the folks in the Mountain Time Zone. Stay tuned. we got some drug war data mining about OxyContin coming up after this. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, I want to talk about another drug, not marijuana, but opioids in this country, which have got, gathered all sorts of news headlines as of late. As America wake, wakes up to the fact that we have an opioid overdose epidemic in this country, 
The New Hampshire primary has focused on this just a little bit as New Hampshire and the northeastern states are suffering disproportionately from heroin and OxyContin abuse. And people are trying to point some fingers and trying to bring up the gateway theory as a reason to explain why there's a heroin overdose. In my Twitter feed, you can find my links to something I found from the DEA today, a series that they have produced, a video series, where they talk about people's struggles with opioids and opioid addiction. And almost every story they tell opens up with this person talking about how they tried marijuana when they were young, tried marijuana and then moved on to heroin and became addicted and their life went to hell. So the DEA is once again trying to push the long debunked notion that there is some sort of inexorable pull from marijuana use to heroin use. Now, folks, it's just not true. Marijuana is not a gateway drug to heroin any more than tricycles are a gateway vehicle to the Hell's Angels. Yes, Hell's Angels may have first ridden a tricycle when they were a kid. It doesn't mean every kid that rides a tricycle is going to turn out to be a Hell's Angel. And when we look at the facts, we look at how many people have ever tried marijuana in their lifetime, it's around 100, 105, 108 million people. When we look at how many people are currently using any other illegal drug, it works out to about 3 million people. So if this is a gateway, it's a gateway that 108 people walked up to and only three went through. Not much of a gateway. We're also getting reports from numerous sources about how marijuana is becoming an exit drug, not a gateway drug, but an exit drug for people that are addicted to cocaine, meth, heroin, and alcohol. Surveys at the Berkeley Patient Group found that two-thirds of their patients were substituting marijuana for the drugs that were killing them or supplementing marijuana for the prescriptions, uh, the opioid painkiller prescriptions, and thus using less of those painkilling pills. Similar results have been found out of Vancouver, British Columbia, where a large majority of the patients indicate that they're using marijuana as a substitute for harder illicit drugs or a complement to the harder prescription drugs. But there's one culprit in this oxycodone, heroin, opiate overdose epidemic that nobody seems to be pointing a finger at except me. And that's the Drug Enforcement Administration itself. See, folks, OxyContin, better known as, or also known as oxycodone, that's its generic name, oxycodone, Dilaudid, its generic name is hydromorphone, and Vicodin, its name is hydrocodone, as well as fentanyl, morphine, and oxymorphone are all drugs that are showing up in the DEA's Office of Diversion Control. And what this means, the Office of Diversion Control is the office that, uh, that uh, um, handles the quota applications for the drug companies. These are scheduled drugs we're talking about. If you, if you own Pfizer or Merck or Eli Lilly or Bristol-Myers Squibb or any of those big old companies, you can't just crank out as much OxyContin as you want to. There are limits as to how much you can produce, and those limits are set by the Drug Enforcement Administration's Office of Diversion Control. Now, when we look back at the beginning 
of the medical marijuana era, 1996, when California first passed its Medical Marijuana Compassionate Use Act, the number of tons, tons we're talking, sorry, not tons, uh, kilograms, kilograms, the thousands of kilograms of production of OxyContin were 5,571,000 tons. So about 5 million kilograms, not tons. I keep saying tons, I mean kilograms. About 5 million kilograms of OxyContin were produced in 1996. Care to guess how much OxyContin was produced in 2016? That is, what is the quota that will be allowed for 2016? In 1996, it was 5 million. In 2016, it's 139,150,000 kilograms of oxycodone. Over the past 20 years, the DEA has allowed a 2,398% increase in the manufacturing of oxycodone. And that's not unique. Hydromorphone, Dilaudid, went from 718,000 tons to 8,250,000 tons, an increase of 1,049%. Fentanyl went from 143,000 tons to 2,300,000 tons, an increase of 1,508%. Amphetamines up 1,600%. Hydrocodone up 629%. Morphine up 402%. And oxymorphone up 69,096%. And when DEA's Office of Diversion Control agent Rusty Payne was once asked, why are we producing so much OxyContin when there's such an abuse epidemic? He said, and I'm paraphrasing, we have to produce enough so when the illicit users get their fix, there's still enough left for the legitimate users. That's right, the DEA is allowing an overproduction of OxyContin to make sure that after the addicts get all theirs, there's still enough for medical users. I just don't understand why that argument doesn't work for Eddie Lepp's medical marijuana farm. We're back with our ICBC special, and Gaio, Debbie, and Anthony joining us right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gather with fellow cannabis companies past the Golden Gate to San Francisco and the 2016 International Cannabis Business Conference, February 13th and 14th at the fabulous Hyatt Regency. Register now at internationalcbc.com. Learn from leading industry luminaries like cannabis celebrity legend Tommy Chong, former Surgeon General Dr. Joycelyn Elders, best-selling author Andrew Sullivan, and so many more. Plus, exhibitors, expert panels, and education made to calibrate your new or existing cannabis plan. Catch CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belville Show at the 2016 International Cannabis Business Conference and register at InternationalCBC.com now. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention. Okay, maybe you're high too. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. 
Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The cannabis community is a diverse set of people from all walks of life. Conservative and liberal, black and white, straight and gay, rich and poor, and everyone in between. Learn more about the people we are freeing from adult cannabis prohibition in our Cannabis Community Chat. Welcome back, everybody. Time for our special on the International Cannabis Business Conference. It's taking place this weekend, the 13th and 14th, at the Hyatt uh, in San Francisco, California. And joining us to discuss the event, we've got Anthony Johnson, the chief petitioner of Measure 91 in Oregon. Hi, Anthony. How you doing? Hey, doing well, Russ. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you back. We've got Debbie Goldsberry, the longtime activist in California. Debbie, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thanks for being here, Debbie. Glad to have you. And our good friend and the funniest man in cannabis, Ngaio Bielam, is joining us from California as well. Hello, Ngaio. Hello, Cannabis Infusion, everyone. There we go. We are set. And remember, folks, we're going to talk with these guys for the rest of this half hour. And then at the top of the next hour, if you've got questions for them, you can dial in at 971-533-7111. And uh, we'll get your questions answered by three of the top experts on the line today. Let's start with Anthony. In the world. In in the world. (laughs) Damn right. In the world. Let's start with Anthony Johnson because uh, lots of stuff going on for the International Cannabis Business Conference. Uh, give us your thoughts on the lineup and what information people will pick up at this conference. Yeah, I think we have a great uh, lineup this year. I think anyone in California that's in the industry or thinking about joining the industry uh, definitely should attend uh, this conference, and uh, it'll benefit really anyone, but especially uh, participants in California. We'll be touching upon you know recent changes that were just passed. In regard to the medical law, we'll definitely have a great discussion on, you know, uh, what's likely to be the legalization measure on the ballot this year. And also we have a, you know, rather historical, you know, bipartisan congressional panel with a progressive Democrat like Earl Blumenauer, libertarian conservative Republican uh, like Dana Rohrbacher uh, together. And uh, that panel has taken up upon new significance and really new importance, in my opinion, uh, because President Obama's budget uh, just removed the provision that banned the DEA from prosecuting uh, people acting legally within medical marijuana states. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what those good congressmen are planning are planning on doing to correct that, throw in 
uh, you know, former Surgeon General Jocelyn Elders and people like Debbie Goldsberry, Dale Sky Jones, you know, Ed Rosenthal, and you know, the one and only Tommy Chong. I think we have a an all star lineup uh, for anyone uh, in the industry or thinking of joining the industry. Yeah, folks, it's not too late to get your tickets if you want to go. Uh, just check out internationalcbc.com and uh, you can find out all about this. Debbie, as we look forward to this lineup, Dr. Joycelyn Elders is going to be there, and of course, we're we're seeing more and more uh, involvement from women on this issue, working toward the end of marijuana prohibition. Give us your take on this upcoming ICBC. Well, the, the importance of the ICBC is beyond just the speakers. It's about bringing a community of people together who share common values, who are working together not only to legalize cannabis, but to see a better society come out of the end of prohibition. So one thing we do at ICBC is we really focus on this nexus. How do we educate entrepreneurs who are coming new into the industry about the values that we share? And how do we train our people, the people who have had a longstanding relationship within the industry, how do we train our people to be better business people? And it's kind of that happy spot where everybody's doing good business and everybody's working to make better communities. That's what we're trying to do with ICBC, to encourage people to find that spot and to run their business as socially responsible, caring companies. Well, we want to see more of that. There's kind of a, a, a division between, I call it the, the division between the suits and the heads. The suits know a lot about business, not a lot about weed. The heads know a lot about weed, not a lot about business. ICBC kind of brings us all together so we can learn from each other. And that's, that's a very good point, Debbie. And Gaio, I'd like to talk to you about your longtime involvement with the ICBC. And I understand that uh, we're actually going truly international in the next couple of years. Yeah, man, it's very exciting. Uh, Alex and I have been, uh, I mean, he's the, the real producer, and Anthony's a monster, and Debbie's great. Uh, so I just kind of show up. Uh, but we've done a bunch of them in Ashland and uh, Eugene and Portland, and uh, we're going to be in Vancouver this fall in Vancouver, B.C., uh, which I think will be exciting. Um, the new prime minister there is anxious to get forward on legalization efforts, so I think we'll be able to help people and, and uh, bring a lot of people together. And then uh, Berlin in 2017, I think, is the plan, which is good. Uh, I haven't been to Berlin in 20-something years. Uh, last time I was there, the weed was pretty good, though. It was cheap. It was like <laughs> 20 bucks for an eighth. That's fantastic. Fine, fine. Fine German pot. And this kind of brings ICBC uh, full circle. You mentioned Alex Rogers, the promoter, the man behind ICBC. Wasn't he busted in Germany some couple decades ago? Uh, yeah, 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 a while ago. He had, uh, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I can't speak on his details because I'm not him, but he did have some uh, challenges with the <laughs> local constabulary. And uh, he, he he spent some time in jail, and he got out and came back to the states and uh, continued to work and, and be an activist. And 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 now he's come full circle and go back to to Germany as a successful cannabis business person and and help other people. I mean, and that's the thing, right? Because you know, I mean, your show probably knows already, but it's not uh, weed that creates criminals, right? It's it's prohibition that creates criminals. And so if we can end prohibition, uh, no one would have to go to jail for weed, which would be uh, the best possible outcome of all time. Yes, it would. And black people uh, being super involved in cannabis industry. Well, that's that's something, Ngaio, that I thought was something that we picked up at one of the last ICBCs was meeting the uh, people that are getting behind a a minority cannabis industry association. Do you have any updates on that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on the board of the Minority Cannabis Business Association. Uh, and we're going to have a uh, conference in San Francisco March 4th, 
and uh, we've been, you know, we're it's uh, there's people from uh, all over the country, Texas, Alaska, uh, Washington, Oregon, Illinois, Michigan, and so we're trying to create more opportunities, more apprenticeship programs, more information for people. I mean, there's still kind of a small stigma in the uh, in the African American community about marijuana. Some people still look on it as a narcotic, but I think people are coming around with the NAACP uh, supporting legalization because they see, you know. No one should ever go to jail. That's that's just the thing. I can't I can't stress that enough. Yeah, I think keeping people out of jail is very important. I, Although, I, also keeping people from establishing oligopolies and monopolies is also important. Too. I, I think there's also uh, a disconnect sometimes in some communities between seeing the devastation in the community and blaming it on drugs instead of blaming it where it belongs on the drug prohibition. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Drug addicts aren't bad people. They're drug addicts. I mean, and marijuana is fairly not addictive, at least uh, physiologically. So there's no reason. There's no reason for that. Right. Now, Debbie yeah. has... has and, and throwing people in jail doesn't get them off drugs. <laughs> no, like I like to say, jail's a lousy <laughs> rehab. <laughs> uh, Debbie, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, uh, I mean, the politics in California right now are pretty turbulent with the uh, introduction and funding and the big headlines that the Adult Use of Marijuana Act is getting. And we've had major change to medical marijuana in the state of California. Uh, can you give us kind of a, a thumbnail sketch of what's happened to medical and what the controversies are about legalization in that respect? Well, those are very good questions. Um you know, our state medical marijuana law, even though we passed it way back when in the late 90s, it was never implemented at, at the state level. So our state government never made rules and regulations to license dispensaries, manufacturing, labs, or anything. So it's only now, 20 years later, that the government uh, finally realized it was time to make some legislation. So they passed these three bills, um, 243, 266, and one, I think it was 643, something like that that um, regulate medical marijuana in the state that allow local control. So first you have to get a permit from your local government, your city or your county. And if you do that, then you can apply for a state license. Of course, the law is not scheduled to, um, they don't have to put the law into effect until 2018. Um, and just earlier this week, I think it was, or was it late last week, they appointed our marijuana czar. So we, now we have a marijuana czar in California. And they created a regulatory agency to regulate medical marijuana and to make the regulations that are going to implement that law. So there is a lot of unknown about what the process is going to look like. But I feel like what it's going to do is just mirror what we have in place already at the city and county level, uh, legislate that at the state level. And, and then, of course, if you've been following it, you'll see that a lot of cities and counties have banned medical marijuana because the state law does allow cities and counties to ban. It gives local control. So over the last uh, couple months since they passed that law, we've seen about 160 counties or cities ban medical marijuana, saying there won't be any dispensaries, delivery, or manufacturing, or labs, or anything in our area. Uh, so it's a real... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it's kind of funny that they think that that's really just going to stop people from doing it. Okay, please continue. Right. You know, the thing is, is that now when we have to talk about what it's going to look like at the state level, we say, look, most of you won't be able to qualify for the state law that they made. So I guess we're still going to teach you how to stay out of trouble with the police. You know, we're still going to see people go to jail. You know, we're still going to see people targeted by the, the wide arms of prohibition because these laws that are going into effect are, well, they're ineffective. So, yeah, it is laughable in the only in the most ironic, miserable kind of way. Can we 
can we laugh at this thing? So we have what I would call not legalization coming into play. We have regulations that aren't going to work. They're going to favor, likely favor big business. And they're also going to favor people that already have permits. And I, I don't think that's really that fair either, you know, because we have a lot of people that make their money in the illicit marketplace only because they can't get permits. And the law is not going to fix that. And that's going to be a big problem. So that's medical, you know, if you want to talk about the statewide legalization, that's another conundrum. I'm, I'm moderating the Legalize It panel at the conference, California Legalization. And, you know, we're having a hard time even deciding what we're going to talk about because it's so contentious how we're going to talk about this. So how do we talk about California legalization when there's a bunch of elephants in the room without just giving the floor to all the problems? Because we really want to talk about what's going to be positive about legalization. What are the commonalities? What's going to be good? And, you know, why would we support legalization? But in order to do that, we have to have the conversation about the elephant because it's in the room. So it's dicey. Yeah, very, very contentious there in California. And speaking of that, on uh, February 19th, next Friday, we've got another special edition of our show where we'll have Chris Conrad and Mickey Norris on the show taking questions and discussing in depth this Adult Use of Marijuana Act. It'll also get a lot of play at the International Cannabis Business Conference this weekend. Check out internationalcbc.com. It's in San Francisco. Uh, you get to learn a ton from these people on the line and many, many more speakers and panels that are going on. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk with Anthony and Debbie and Ngaio some more. I got some questions for Anthony about Oregon's medical marijuana and how it's being affected or not by legalization. We'll also get deeper into what's going on in California and look forward to the 2016 elections and get their take on what's happening in New Hampshire and throughout the United States. You're listening to the Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with Ngaio Bielam, Debbie Goldsberry, and Anthony Johnson right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. <laughs> Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. 
<laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome! Welcome back, everyone. Radical Russ here at Rolla J Studios in beautiful legal potland, Oregon, and joining us for our International Cannabis Business Conference special preview. We've got Anthony Johnson from Measure 91 in Portland, Oregon on the line, Debbie Goldsberry from California, and Ngaio Bielam from California all on the line to give us their expertise. Welcome back, everybody. Good to be back. Hey. Hi there. Good to be back. Let's go to Anthony Johnson for a moment here, because as California gears up for legalization, there's kind of a trend that's happened. Uh, Washington State legalized, and the next thing you know, all of their medical marijuana people complained that legalization was destroying medical marijuana. Now in Oregon, we've legalized marijuana, and medical marijuana people are complaining that legalization's destroying medical marijuana. What would you say to those people about Washington and Oregon? And how would you convince them legalization won't destroy medical marijuana in California? Yeah, very good uh, question, Russ. You know, I think that, first of all, moving forward towards true equality, you know, across the board for patients, um, it's important that marijuana become legal. And it's not going to be legal to um, use or to, to keep uh, law enforcement agencies from taking kids away or... Um, you getting fired from your job for using uh, medical marijuana, that's never going to happen until it's uh, completely legal. So that's, uh, you know, the basis that we need uh, to fight for to make it completely legal. And I think that uh, some people tend to forget or they're not aware that changes to medical marijuana uh, tend to be introduced every single uh, legislative session. And there have been numerous uh, attempts to roll back the medical marijuana program that we have successfully um, defeated. And then when me- when marijuana becomes legal for all adults and you have a licensed and regulated system where it's going to be taxed and tracked, uh, then uh, legislators are going to be uh, looking at how can we uh, efficiently track marijuana but then have this completely unregulated system. So I think that unregulated aspects of medical marijuana um, are going to eventually end. Whether your state regulates uh, for adult use or not, uh, medical marijuana regulations are eventually going to come, and so it's best to get ahead of it and do the best that you can. Um, That said, you know, I do think there are some politicians that have had it in for medical marijuana, and unfortunately they, they they seem to have teamed up with some business interests that um, see the revenue that can be created uh, from the adult use side and see the medical side as a threat. And so you kind of have a perfect storm of politicians who didn't like medical marijuana in the first place, kind of the law enforcement lobby, and some business interests joining forces to put some regulatory hurdles in front of the medical marijuana 
uh, system. So I think it's important uh, to remain vigilant and for all activists and people in the industry to remember why we're in this in the first place, and that's to keep people out of prison and to protect patients. And so uh, my advice to California is it is worth it to legalize marijuana and end the you know detrimental treatment of cannabis consumers across the state. However, it is important to organize and be vigilant to protect the rights of patients that you that you've already earned. You know, we've got people calling in already, and I want to let our callers know. We'll take your calls can, at the top can, can of the hour. Can I jump in right quick, Russ, right quick? Yeah, let me get the number out. It's 971-533-7111, but hold on until the top of the hour. We'll take your calls. And, Guy, will go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, um, th- one of the things about California that is different than, than Oregon or Washington is that we, uh, pre-legalization efforts have already, we've got a pretty good, the medical marijuana system is pretty good, but we, we people already pay taxes on it, right? And that's one of the, the challenges that with Washington and, and on Oregon, especially, uh, patients don't have to pay sales taxes, but, uh, patients already pay sales taxes here. And so I don't think, that it would be too much of a challenge to, uh, as, as Steve D'Angelo used to suggest, to flip the switch for for one of the shops that are already in good spots and in good standing with their city, and they wouldn't have to do too much. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like it's already a pretty good system in California, and I think that's one of the challenges we face with trying to increase legalization. I think that uh, a lot of these regulations are attempting to overregulate when really we should be fostering more things like ranches and button breakfast hotels and social clubs and farmers markets and, and treated way more like wine and way less like crack. Uh, I think that's really the challenge. Let me get uh, Debbie's uh, opinions on this. It's a pretty contentious subject for California, medical marijuana and how legalization might affect it. What are your thoughts? Well, I hope we just keep the two tiered system in place. And I think that we, we, if we have to struggle or fight or activate to get that done, we need to do it. We do have people that are using cannabis strictly for medical. They deserve lower tax rates, um, and they should be able to get their cannabis paid for by, say, for example, their health insurance companies. I think it's going to require a a two-track system for us to get where we need to go with that. I know what's happened already in certain cities like Oakland and Berkeley. They've already regulated a two-tier system, anticipating that adult legalization is going to come into play, where the taxes for the companies that are doing medical marijuana are much lower. So in Berkeley, for example, they have a 2.5% medical marijuana licensing tax. And when legalization goes into play there, I think they've set it at 5%. In Oakland, we have a 5% business license tax for medical marijuana dispensaries. And for adult legalization um, entities, it's going to be 10% tax. So I can envision that as long as we just hold study to the two-tiered model that we're going to go forward with medical and adult legalization, and that's going to work out best for patients, I think, and people um, involved in the industry. As long as we don't just really seriously make it too hard for people to participate in the new systems, be it medical or adult use, then we're just going to keep a gigantic uh, gray area, an illicit market in play in California forever. People don't have to join up with legalization. They don't have to get their permits. We're totally comfortable working in the gray area, selling cannabis between each other, growing at Candlestein. Uh, people will just keep doing it the same way they've always done it. We're speaking with Anthony Johnson, Debbie Goldsberry, and Ngayo Bilam. They're all three 
participants in the International Cannabis Business Conference. It's taking place this weekend in San Francisco at the Hyatt Regency. Check out internationalcbc.com for details and tickets. And uh, let's go to, to our panel here, starting with Anthony. Uh, politics are starting to have a big impact I should say marijuana is starting to have a big impact on politics, not only at the state level with respect to initiatives, but also at the national level with respect to the presidential candidates. Anthony, let me get your take on what's happening in the New Hampshire primary today and how much you think marijuana is going to affect the 2016 election. I think you're seeing marijuana greatly impact uh, the Democratic primary um, already uh, on the Republican side, uh, the ma- and most of the Republicans basically take a states' rights stance on the issue. Uh, Chris Christie and Mark Rubio, Marco Rubio, being the exceptions, who would uh, who have pledged to launch you know raids uh, across the country for anyone violating federal law. Um, but on the uh, Democratic side, I really believe that. Uh, Bernie Sanders uh, filing a bill to end cannabis prohibition, completely removing marijuana from the controlled uh, substances schedule list, and calling for more drug war reforms like ending uh, the use of private prisons, and really being outspoken about the need to legalize marijuana and reform the drug war, I think really has uh, young voters uh, fired up, and is one of the major reasons that... uh, he defeated Hillary Clinton 84 to 14%, I believe, uh, amongst uh, voters that were 29 years or younger. And I think that's a trend we'll likely see, uh, partly due because of Bernie Sanders' stance on uh, legalizing marijuana. Debbie, as we look at uh, California politics uh, at the state level, are there assembly members or senators there whose careers are threatened or enhanced by their support or opposition to marijuana issues? Uh, definitely. Some people at the at our state house are making their name and sort of becoming famous for supporting the cannabis issue, for carrying our bills, um, for being supportive of the cause. Um, we have a representative here from Oakland, Bonta. He has been promoting medical marijuana. We all love him for it. Um, and of course, Mark Leno really was somebody who went to the state house after serving in the city of San Francisco, the county of San Francisco, um, and having the great support of the medical marijuana community, he made it to the state house. Uh, at, in California, our, you know, Newsom, our lieutenant governor, created the Blue Ribbon Panel. He did this whole commission to study the legalization of marijuana. It came out with very measured findings showing that the state was ready to legalize marijuana, kind of set up at least somewhat of a pathway towards legalization. It definitely informed all of the initiatives that came after it. So we had our lieutenant governor really leading the cause to begin with for the state of California. But he stepped back. You know, he's taken on a different issue. He's not going to lead lead us forward as the leader of the legalization movement in the next phase of things. So he's kind of stood back. And Gaio, as we look at this uh, 2016 election, uh, m- marijuana is supported over legalization, supported overwhelmingly by young people. Anthony alluded to the young people's support of Bernie Sanders. Do you think marijuana actually brings them to the polls, or are young people going to do like they always do and not show up? Uh, you know, I think Bernie Sanders has a chance to, to bring more young people to the polls. Definitely, I mean. No one's going to energize the vote like Barack Obama did, but, you know, we'll be honest. That guy's one of the most gifted politicians in, in our lifetime. Yeah. Uh, but I think Bernie has shown a good job in in being forward on some of these more modern issues, uh, 
drug law reform, cannabis uh, legalization. And I think uh, that the people who that's very important to will definitely show up to support him on that. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. You know, and even Hillary has come around a little bit and, you know, because of his outspoken stances. Yeah. So that's only good for everybody. Yeah. Right. And and I think that's really the challenge is we need to to continue to show politicians and prove to politicians that uh, being for marijuana is helpful. Right. If you're on the lead train, you get more votes than if you're not. That's right. Hey, folks, stay tuned with us. We're going to take this into hour two. Toker Talk Radio. If you've got a question for Debbie Goldsberry, Anthony Johnson or Ngaio Bielam, your chance is coming up next. Our phone number is nine seven one. 533-7111. For everyone here at Roller J Studios and CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ reminding you to check out the International Cannabis Business Conference at InternationalCBC.com. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can toke. I inhale. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can toke and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard... Have a ball. Live from beautiful Potland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Freedom, freedom. Hey, this is great. Freedom, Just like cannabis. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the, the next thing you know, they got ten years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right. Welcome back, tokers and toquettes and non-token lovers of liberty. It's Tuesday, February 9th, 2016. It's hour two of the Russ Belleville Show. And it's our special segment previewing the International Cannabis Business Conference. It's taking place this weekend at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. 13th and 14th of this month. Check out internationalcbc.com for more information. 
We've got a special panel joining us of speakers and presenters who will be at the International Cannabis Business Conference. Say hello to Anthony Johnson, the Chief Petitioner for Measure 91 in Oregon. Hi, Anthony. Hey, Russ. We've got Debbie Goldsberry on the line, longtime activist from California. Hi, Debbie. Hi there. And and Guyo Bielam is still waiting on the line, cannabis comedian extraordinaire. Hi, and Guyo. Extraordinaire. That's right. I don't use that word lightly. <laughs> That's right. Our phone lines okay, are open. I've accepted a new position. I'm teaching <laughs> magical plants at Potworks. <laughs> Our phone lines are open. Thanks for slipping there. <laughs> Our phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. We had a caller who was dialing in earlier. I hope you dial back because it's time for the calls now. Let's go back to our panel and discuss a little bit about what's happening at ICBC. And Gaio, I understand that in addition to all of the heavy-duty activism work that we'll be doing and learning that we'll be doing, there's also a lot of fun at the ICBC. Can you give us a rundown? Well, one, you're in San Francisco, so come on. Yeah. That. It's still it's still cool, even though, you know, it's expensive. It's more expensive than it used to be. Uh, two, Tommy Chong's going to be there. Um, he's going to make an appearance at the Friday night show. And um, uh, Steve Bloom, the former editor of High Times Magazine, is going to do an interview with him. So that will be entertaining and funny and lively, of course. And uh, I think Del the Funky Homo Sapien is there again this year. And uh, I will be around with fresh bon mots and witticisms to uh, make the day go fast. Entertainment, sir. Yes, yes. And parties, and networking, and weed. And lots of weed. And and Del the Funky Homo Sapien, I've seen him at the past couple ICBCs. It's always a delight to check him out in an intimate setting like what we get there, and it will be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll get Alex out there uh, dropping some rhymes, too. He's pretty talented. It's, he's a pretty good freestyler. Uh, <laughs> we had a pretty good cipher uh, at the last one in Ashford. Ashford, which is uh, a mix of Ashland and Medford. In Ashland, <laughs> Oregon. Uh, I, I, that was pretty good. I busted some rounds. I spit a hot 16, too. So I, I, I think you were thinking of Everybody Ashford. comes out with pure fire. I think you were thinking of Ashford and Simpson for some reason. I don't know why. I work, <laughs> because there ain't no mountain high enough to keep that's, me from eating right. Uh, we've got a question for Debbie Goldsberry coming in from our chat room. John Chambers wants to know about your opinion on the two-tiered system, having medical and recreational be separate. And he brings up the point that here in Oregon, uh, adult consumers are turning to their medical marijuana friends to be able to get weed without the 25% tax or to get extracts and edibles that they can't purchase yet. Uh, does that concern you that difference between medical and recreational tending to incentivize recreational users to abuse the medical side? Well, that's complicated. One thing is uh, I don't think that we're going to have that problem like you guys have up there where we won't have access to the supply. You know, I think that across the board, we'll still have access to the edibles and to the extracts while we wait for these regulations to come out. So that should solve a problem there. But look, all of these taxes are set so high. This is all still about prohibition. This is a sin tax. Make no mistake about it. Can you imagine that here in Oakland, we're going to have to pay 10% of every sale We'll have to go straight to our city. That's crazy. Then sales tax, that's another 9.5 cents, I mean, percent of the sale. Then the federal government and the state government take 45% of all gross sales. It's untenable. We're not, or all gross income, I should say. It's, nobody's going to be able to survive under these sin taxes for long. So, so what do I think? As long as there's a prohibition, we're going to find ways around it. Uh, the sin taxes are ridiculous. A 10% tax on adult personal consumption of cannabis is just simply a prohibition with a different color jacket on and it's not going to work. So 
Do I think people are going to game the medical system? Well, I hope that they can get their cannabis cheaper than the prices that's going to happen if we continue with these syntaxes that are happening out there. It's actually, quite frankly, ridiculous. So um, I am basically opposed to all of the high business license taxes. For example, at Berkeley Patients Group, before they slapped us with the syntax of 2.5% on our medical marijuana dispensary over there, we were only paying 0.12% for our business license tax. And then they raised it to 2.5% of gross sales. So it was a huge increase. Here at Magnolia Wellness, where I'm the director now in Oakland, we have to watch every single dollar that we bring in so that we can make sure to pay our bills to the tax taxation agents. That doesn't even include to be able to bring you know, give services to our community or offer free services to our member. So I think the problem really is the syntax and the fact that prohibition keeps living on no matter how they figure it out. Now they're going to do it in the, in the form of higher taxes. It's, it's simply not fair. And it's going to mean, yeah, people are going to game the system. How do I feel about it? End prohibition and we won't have this problem. And Gaio, did you have something to add? I was going to say, I, I, I pretty much agree with Debbie. I think one of the challenge challenges when bringing, uh, cannabis law reform into creation or whatever is that people are already outlaws, right? So if you make the taxes too ridiculous or you make the barrier to entry too high, no one's going to jump through your hoop. You know what I'm saying? I mean, California, uh, marijuana does not need California's money. California needs marijuana's money, you know? And so they have to work out a balance so that everybody who's already in the game can kind of stay in the game because uh, they won't leave the game just because there's new cats in and they, they already have an advantage. They know how to grow weed and they know how to sell weed illegally. So all these new cats, I mean, the, the black market in Colorado hasn't gone anywhere, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, even though Colorado is still making millions upon millions of dollars in taxes, but I think there's a better way to do it. And I think California should be in front of that and not just trying to do it the same old ways. Now, uh, Anthony, that, that, uh, remark about Oregon and the 25% tax and not having edibles or extracts, that's a temporary situation until the adult use shops, uh, come online later this year. But do you still think it's going to be a problem? Cause then there'll be a 17% tax plus 3% local. You know, I think it will uh, likely be a problem in, in some communities and sometimes, but I think that in Oregon with the um, canopy limits we're going to have, I think prices are going to stay um, relatively affordable and that um, we're not going to see widespread issues. But yeah, if the taxes remain high and it boosts the price too high and the fees that people have to pay, both local and state, uh, and the jump through regulatory testing hoops. If the cost gets too expensive, then like Debbie Ngayo said, um, that just becomes prohibition like any other name un- under a different name, and which, which I think, uh, states have seen in regards to cigarettes. You know, cigarette taxes get so high, all of a sudden you, you bring back an illicit market on cigarettes. So I think it's something that, um, advocates are going to have to be vigilant about and something that, uh, regulators and policymakers and politicians are just going to be realistic about, and that if the uh, if people are gaming the system and the system uh, is being flouted and we're not bringing in the tax revenue that we should, then we need to uh, consider the tax rate and think about uh, reducing it and not having it at such a level where it, it is just a just in, increasing or keeping uh, prohibition around. 
We're continuing our discussion of the International Cannabis Business Conference. You can check out more information at internationalcbc.com. Uh, panelists Anthony Johnson, Debbie Goldsberry, and Ngaio Bielam are joining us on the phone. And you can call in live if you've got a question at 971-533-7111. We do have another question from our chat room. And given me and Ngaio disagreeing about Ohio's Issue 3 last year, this question's for Ngaio. Uh, considering recent lawsuits and the increasing corporatization of the industry, is there a danger that greed could become the movement's Achilles heel? Yes, of course. I mean, the greed is greed is uh, America's Achilles heel. You might want to say it like that sometimes. I mean, time and time and time again, it's been proven that people just get greedy and then they fuck everything up. We can say that on the Internet. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that we try to reinforce at the International Cannabis Business Conference is that there's got to be, uh, maybe you don't want to call it social justice, but there's got to be an understanding of, of how to go about things the right way. You know, um, I generally operate from the premise that the hippies were pretty much right about everything. So I think we have to remember to, and, 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 and I'm not saying that you can't make money because shit, this is America. Everybody should make money, right? But, can you do it the right way? Can you do it without creating a monopoly? Can you do it without being an asshole? Can you do it so that you can have Budweiser and Anchor Steam and Russ Dollar and Micro Brews? You know what I'm saying? And you can homebrew. You, know, you feel me? Yeah, yeah. And that seems to be the tightrope right. tight that supporters in California are walking right now, Debbie, with this Adult Use of Marijuana Act, where, where some are pointing to other initiatives that frankly don't have much of a chance of making the ballot, but they point to them as being better for the small grower or better for the little guy or less corporate. Uh, are you concerned about that when we look at a legalization in California of, of it being over corporate or have the people with adult use of marijuana put in enough uh, I know they, they're going to restrict large grows. They're going to tighten some of the stuff there to try to restrict big marijuana from taking over. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's so complicated. You know, the the big problem is, is the fact that that initiative so long. It's like 68 pages, 62 pages, something like that. And within all those details, there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't need to be in there. And it still keeps a lot of felonies, a lot of the crimes that should just be wiped off the book still remain wobblers in our state system. So we're still going to see that that there's the ability for um, for people to go to jail for felonies in California for cannabis. I mean, the real disappointment is this. The disappointment is why didn't we write a law that's perfect? You know, why didn't we take time, work together and create something that was actually going to close all the gaps? And that's what the confusion is about Alma. It's not that it's not good enough. It's not that, that we couldn't live with it. It's not that it's not steps forward. The question is, why didn't we write a better law? It, it actually is boggling people's minds. And and we know when you put a law on the book that's good enough or okay, things go good. You know, prohibition recedes a little bit. But unfortunately, it's usually low-income people or people of color who continue to be targeted by these laws. And it greatly concerns me that the law contains all these different things that say you know, you could still participate in the legal market if you've been arrested for cannabis before, or if you have a cannabis sales felony, if you can convince us that you can do it. And so I start to think, well, who's going to be able to convince past that? It's certainly not going to be a lot of my friends. You know, we're going to be stuck still in the in the illegitimate market. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand, Russ. Why didn't we write a better law? It makes no sense to me. And Gaio, why didn't we write a better law? Because they kick the hippies out the room, which sometimes is often necessary. But like you said, man, greed is greed, you know. Uh, 
And and so if you let a bunch of people who only see money write the law, they're going to make it so that they can make the most amount of money. And this is this is what happens. And 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 also people seem to want to overcomplicate this. It's not very hard to do. You just say regulate it like booze, and voila, you're pretty much ready to go and make the taxes pretty simple. It's not it's not rocket science. It's marijuana. You know what I'm saying? It's not you're not trying to land uh, a satellite on an asteroid. You're just trying to let people grow weed and have farmer's markets and sit around and be social and we'll give you some money. It shouldn't be this hard to do, right? We're trying to give you protection money and you're trying to make it ridiculous. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Anthony, you've actually had to go through this in 2013 and 2014, putting together the Measure 91 campaign in Oregon against, you know, a a groundswell of some people in the Oregon community that uh, really uh, wanted something more open, more free. And some of those people now complaining that some of their predictions came true, that that medical's getting clamped down on. Uh, Any advice for the campaign in California as they move forward? Well, yeah, and I would think uh, a lot of it goes to the point that uh, Debbie and Ngai already made about writing the measure in the first place. I mean, when it, once it's written and filed, then you're kind, then you're really stuck uh, with it. And so, my advice is to, you know, is always to support the the policy that is better than prohibition, but plan on organizing and improving it at the legislature or even potentially on down the line with the new initiative. I mean, I think one of the uh, big differences between California and Oregon, for instance, is just the vast expense of California. And so it's going to getting on the ballot and running a campaign um, is going to be run by uh, moneyed interests. And when you have, you know, the national uh, funders of these issues, they have to answer to their contributors and their contributors and donors uh, don't want to lose. No one, they don't want to donate $250,000, a million dollars, whatever it may be and actually lose. So the national funders, um, want a measure that is going to win. And so I think for activists um, across the country, um, if you do have a seat at the table with national funders, you always want to push for and advocate for the most progressive law that can win. You know, here in Oregon, uh, our funders were uh, very much the, the national funders that funded uh, the Washington State I-502 uh, measure that did not include a home grow uh, provision and included a per se DUI uh, provision. Now, I uh, just made it uh, really a deal breaker that I was not going to be a chief petitioner or be involved in any measure that did not have uh, a home grow cultivation. And I, and I was adamant there could not be a per se DUI. So I think it's important to uh, stand up for a few core beliefs. But if you want something on the ballot, um, you're going to have to make uh, some compromises. So, you know, I think uh, here in Oregon and I think all across the country, uh, you're going to see um, rollbacks uh, on medical marijuana, especially with an unregulated system. But like I, I said, those rollbacks are always attempted. And I am here uh, still fighting for the medical marijuana program, even post-legalization, to uh, protect patients and do all that we can uh, to, to keep the, the rights that we've earned and to keep 
the cannabis law in Oregon, quarter our values of decreasing penalties and taking care of patients. And in Oregon, we're looking more and more like in a few years, we're not going to have any marijuana felonies. So I think uh, uh, my message is it's worth it to legalize it, but you definitely want to be vigilant and you definitely need to stand up for core values and nothing really prevents uh, the corporate takeover, uh, like having home cultivation where people can cultivate themselves and share amongst uh, their friends. All right. We've got a couple of minutes before we hit the special time of the day. We got a question from our chat room, and I'll send this one to Debbie. Uh, has the legalization movement prepared a game plan for the potential of a Republican president a year from now? You know what? I've I've been pondering this myself, and I don't think we have a game plan ready. I think that our only plan is to show strength going into that election, coming out of the next election, so that we're as unassailable as possible when we start to be assailed by the Republicans. I think they're making it fairly clear, you know, they're not supportive, although I think that they know they can't trounce us out completely because we do have so much voter support. So, you know, every once in a while you see somebody like Trump saying, uh, softening a tiny bit on these issues. But honestly, as a community, I don't think we've dealt with this issue at all. And if we get a Republican president, our feet will be to the fire. And believe me, they have been for years. We move very fast and, and we're very nimble. So we'll be ready for it, whatever happens. But you know what? It just makes me think that we have to work harder and harder to make sure that doesn't happen and that we have to get behind a Democratic candidate and make sure that, you know, that they win. And Gaio, uh, Anthony mentioned a couple of deal breakers for him on legalization, no home grow and per se DUID. Are there other things that you would say you can't vote for that? It's a deal breaker if that's included in a legalization plan? Uh, 2016 is very important. Uh, I think it's important for all the states to send a message. I'm hoping that Arizona and New Mexico can uh, manage to legalize and I think Nevada is going to legalize also in 2016. And I hope California can uh, follow suit. Um, so I'm inclined to vote yes for just about anything. But I would say that uh, home grow is important. Um, uh, no per se DUI. Hello? Yeah, we're still here. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I would also say that in California, we strongly need to... I drank beer heavily and tried drugs enthusiastically. Oh, so sorry to cut you off, Ngaio, but it's that special time of the day. It's 4.20 here in the Pacific Time Zone. That means me and Debbie and Anthony and Ngaio have to retreat to a very special union-mandated safety meeting. We'll be back after these messages to wind things up with Debbie, Anthony, and Ngaio right after this. Gather with fellow cannabis companies past the Golden Gate to San Francisco and the 2016 International Cannabis Business Conference, February 13th and 14th at the fabulous Hyatt Regency. Register now at internationalcbc.com. Learn from leading industry luminaries like cannabis celebrity legend Tommy Chong, former Surgeon General Dr. Joycelyn Elders, best-selling author Andrew Sullivan, and so many more. Plus, exhibitors, expert panels, and education made to calibrate your new or existing cannabis plan. Catch CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belville Show at the 2016 International Cannabis Business Conference and register at InternationalCBC.com now. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. 
Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay, maybe you're high too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 23 after the hour, and we've got another six minutes to go here with our esteemed panel from the International Cannabis Business Conference. We've been joined by Anthony Johnson from the Measure 91 campaign in Oregon and Debbie Goldsberry from California and Ngaio Bielam from California. They're all panelists at the International Cannabis Business Conference. Check it out at internationalcbc.com. You can still get tickets. The show is this weekend, and it features... Former Surgeon General Dr. Joycelyn Elders, conservative blogger and best-selling author Andrew Sullivan, cannabis icon Tommy Chong, and uh, conservative Republican Dana Rohrabacher, liberal Democrat Representative Blumenauer, Earl Blumenauer, they're all going to be there. It's an amazing event. I've done every one of them, and I can't recommend them highly enough. Of course, I recommend just about everything highly, but still... Uh, that's the way we do here at the Russ Belville show. Uh, welcome back everybody. And I just want to give our guests, uh, some free time here, about two minutes each to be able to, uh, say what they want to say and preview the conference and give their words of wisdom. Let's start, uh, with Ngaio Bielam. Ngaio, you got two minutes to tell folks you, what you want to tell them. Go right ahead. Uh, follow me on Twitter, N-G-A-I-O 420. Come to the International Cannabis Business Conference and learn about cannabis business and network with people. Uh, women and people of color are strongly encouraged to attend. Um, also, uh, to my last point before we went to the commercial, I think that California needs to, to realize that this is a statewide concern and we shouldn't be allowing cities and counties to ban any sort of the cannabis business because there's going to be a lot of cannabis money and it's unfair to everybody if more if 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 there are some counties who are going to want to yeah that's enough you know I get my point I get your point thank you very much Ingayo Debbie Goldsberry your thank final you. thoughts yes well thank you for having me on the show I've been here at Magnolia Wellness this whole time in Oakland super fun I wish I could show everyone the dispensary but we are sponsoring ICBC because, you know, we believe that medical marijuana and the legalization, we're still a movement. This is, you know, maybe we're headed towards an industry, but more and more people need to realize our work is not done. And we have to stay sharp on our political skills. We have to know how to make laws, move the grassroots, make changes. So I think that that's what's really important. But I also wanted to say, 
you know, we have some of the top cannabis experts from around the world coming. We have um, Ariane coming from the greenhouse. We have the guy who does Spanibus coming, the guy who throws the big um, hemp fest in the Czech Republic is coming. And we're going to really, we have Philippe Lucas coming from Canada. We're really talking about the global perspective and not just California or Oregon or what's happening with the legalization in the U.S. You know, we need to take this thing global. We need to get people out of prison, legalize marijuana. And hopefully at the end of it all, you know, it's not just a bunch of like uh, dudes that legalize it. Let's make sure that we make a better world, that through legalization, we equal the playing field. And that equally important to us is thing, equity, equality, fairness, getting permits to everybody who wants to be in the legal marketplace and not just the few. So that's what this is about. Let's even the playing field and help our own people and help the newcomers come in, understand this is a movement. It looks like an industry, but guess what? We're changing laws, we're changing people, and we're changing the way America is functioning by ending prohibition. Mm, wise, wise words, Debbie. And uh, before we let you go, do you have any uh, social media or contacts or websites you'd like to plug? Yeah, well, I'm on all the social media. I love communicating with people. My Facebook's really active, Debbie Goldsberry. I'm over there, Debbie with a Y. But check out Magnolia Wellness also. We're big on Instagram, uh, Magnolia Oakland, and you'll find us on all the big social media channels. All right. Thank you, Debbie Goldsberry. Anthony Johnson, your final thoughts. Yeah, I think uh, Debbie uh, and Ngaio both summed it up really well. The International Cannabis Business Conference. Get your tickets at internationalcbc.com. We really mix business uh, with activism. We want to legalize cannabis the right way. We keep it entertaining and engaging. We bring people from within the industry, including uh, and also legal experts like Henry Wykowski. So if you're involved in the cannabis industry and you need to deal with your taxes, we got the preeminent tax expert there. You know, when you have M- when you have Ungayo emceeing, we keep it uh, engaging and entertaining and humorous throughout. And the uh, party Saturday night, sponsored by Magnolia, uh, you know, featuring Della Funky Homo Sapien, uh, Rocker T, uh, the parties just keep getting better and better. And so we keep uh, the networking going. And uh, we really uh, take pride in our conferences and the valuable information we bring, but also that we always keep activism at our core and we don't want to just legalize marijuana for legalize it so people can get rich. We want to keep people out of jail. We want to take care of patients and we want a more prosperous future for the entire cannabis community, not just a a few, uh, you know, suits and uh, big business interests. All right. Thank you so much to all my panel for joining us here for the International Cannabis Business Conference preview on the Russ Belville Show. If you missed any of this discussion, you'll be able to get it online at CannabisRadio.com or just visit my SoundCloud page, SoundCloud.com slash Radical Russ. You can embed and share all of this wisdom for all of your friends across the social media. Uh, Anthony Johnson, Debbie Goldsberry, and Ngaio Bielum, thanks for joining us. Uh, really appreciate you taking some time uh, to fill people in on the International Cannabis business conference and what's happening on legalization and medical marijuana thank you russ thank you man have a good one all right we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to ask the question why do millennials want a president bernie sanders marijuana might have something to do with it also the potent pot scare is back Ooh, weed is so much more potent these days. Aren't you frightened? Plus your calls at 971-533-7111. I'm Radical Russ. We're right back after this.
This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. You could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larravee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 32 after the hour. Phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. That's 971-533-7111. It's not just a phone phone number. It's a hell of a hand in liar's poker. We're having some good times here at Rolla J Studios in beautiful Potland, Oregon. But this weekend, I'll be flying to San Francisco. We'll do the Friday show, and then I'm off to San Francisco for Saturday and Sunday at the International Cannabis Business Conference. And I'm going to stream live as much as I can. We'll see what happens. I think we're set for it, though. I think uh, I think it's going to be good. And we'll be able to bring you live interviews and coverage of the International Cannabis Business Conference. It's going to be a good time. Next weekend, I'll be in Seattle. Actually, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'll be in Seattle for Canacon. And CannabisRadio.com is the presenting sponsor of the VIP party uh, at Canacon in Seattle. So we're going to have a good time that weekend. And then the final weekend of February, I will be in Fort Worth, Texas for the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. Looking forward to getting down to Fort Worth and visiting Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's best tattoo parlor. And uh, Thomas Barrington, my good friend, will uh, help fill in 
Richmond, Virginia, Columbus, Ohio, Anchorage, Alaska, and Jamaica on my expansive legalized back tattoo. If you haven't seen my legalized back tattoo, email me, radicalrust at gmail.com, and I'll show you where you can see the picture. But those of you who don't know, I have a tattoo on my back. It stretches shoulder to shoulder and over my left shoulder. Uh, shoulder to shoulder, uh, continental United States with a pot leaf for every place I've ever done a marijuana legalization event. And it's just getting more and more and more. And I'm just excited. Although a little, little bit of trepidation for the pain. Although it's kind of nice when you uh, get your tattoos done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo. They're, they don't seem to care too much if you come in really baked. <laughs> so uh, that's a help, let me tell you. Tonight, of course, is the New Hampshire presidential primary. And Hillary Clinton is currently trailing Bernie Sanders by double digits leading up to tonight's vote. It's no secret that we're big Bernie Sanders fans. I mean, come on, man. His his tagline is feel the burn. How could a pot smoker not go for the tagline feel the burn? <laughs> right there. You, you had me at, at feel the burn. <laughs> but it doesn't hurt. That the guy is calling for the descheduling of marijuana, not rescheduling like Hillary Clinton, but descheduling of marijuana. Now, the establishment Democrats are certainly feeling the burn because they had this plan to get Hillary Clinton her inevitable coronation because it's her turn now, you know, like how Republicans do. But this has been overturned by the Bernie Sanders phenomenon. And most vexing to the punditocracy is Bernie's overwhelming support among young people, a.k.a. the millennials. Let's start with the baby boomer David Brock. He's a coordinator for one of Hillary Clinton's super PACs. And he thinks the, mis the millennials dislike Hillary Clinton because of mean old internet trolls Oh, the terrible, sexist internet trolls who say such nasty things about Hillary Clinton. That's why the millennials don't like her. He said, quote, You wonder why there's such a gap in the millennial preference for Sanders over Hillary. I think if people look, took a look at what they're seeing, referring to the internet, that would account for some of the deficit, the fact that they have a misimpression of her, end quote. Yeah, David Brock thinks it's the mean old internet trolls have fooled the young people into hating Hillary Clinton. Gloria Steinem, she's in her 80s, by the way. She's the uh, feminist pioneer from, you know, way back in the 60s. Gloria Steinem was on Bill Maher's show on HBO this Friday. And she had an explanation for why the female millennials are flocking to Bernie Sanders. She said, quote, when you're young, you're thinking, where are the boys? The boys are with Bernie, end quote. <laughs> Even politically incorrect Bill Maher responded with, quote, if I said that, you'd swap me, end quote. And sure enough, Steinem has gotten a lot of outrage over these comments from young millennial women, and she's walked back her comments a little bit, apologized for them a bit. But she said, quote, when you're young, you're thinking, where are the boys? The boys are with Bernie. So Brock thinks it's the mean old internet trolls, pouring haterade on Hillary. Steinem thinks it's the millennial females just flocking to the Bernie bros. Then you had Madeleine Albright. She was the first female secretary of state, you know, Hillary Clinton's old job. 
Uh, she's in her 70s, by the way. Madeline Albright, she scolded young women recently, I think it was this weekend, who struggle for women's equality. He, she scolded him because she says the struggle for women's equality isn't over and that these young women aren't standing by Hillary Clinton because they're resting on their laurels. They've had it too good. They've, they've come up in the post Roe v. Wade generation. So that's why, that's why the young millennial women aren't supporting Hillary Clinton. And uh, Madeline Albright said, quote, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. End quote. Okay. So Brock's got it on the, uh, the internet trolls. That's what makes us hate Hillary. Steinem says it's because the women are chasing the Bernie bros. Madeleine Albright says women are betraying Hillary because they're complacent. And then, of course, Bill Clinton, the baby boomer himself, he got in on the youth bashing. And he says, quote, people who have gone online to defend Hillary to explain why they have supported her have been subject to vicious trolling and attacks that are literally too profane, often not to mention sexist, to repeat. End quote. First of all, you got to admire the cast iron huevos it takes for Bill Clinton to get on a stage and lecture anybody about sexism. That's just, that's slow clap material. That's bravo, Bill. Bravo. Lecturing us about sexism. Yeah. Okay. But again, Clinton's taking the Brock line here. It's the mean, evil trolls that are causing all the problem. What all these pundits seem to be missing in examining Bernie Sanders' phenomenon among young people, where he won the millennial vote in Iowa by a 70-point margin, not 17, 70-point margin, 84% to 14%. Why does Bernie get 84% amongst the millennials in Iowa versus 14% for Hillary? It's not because of trolls. It's not because of sex. It's because Bernie, not Hillary, best represents the views of young people. Nowhere is this more obvious than the issue of marijuana legalization. In the 2015 Gallup poll, 71% of people aged 18 to 34 years old support marijuana legalization. 71%. Now, nationally, it's 58 18 to 34, 71% support. Hillary Clinton has said, quote, I think we need to be very clear about the benefits of marijuana for medicinal purposes. I don't think we've done enough research yet. End quote. Not enough. She can't even go out on a limb for medical marijuana, which young people, if it's below 90%, I'd be shocked. If it's below 90%, 5% support among young people for medical marijuana, I'd be flabbergasted. She can't even get on the limb to support medical marijuana that's legal in 23 states and Washington, D.C. I don't think we've done enough research yet, she says. I guess 29,000 published studies in PubMed.gov aren't quite enough research yet. But once she has that research, she'll consider, she'll consider moving cannabis from Schedule 1, like heroin, LSD, and peyote, to Schedule 2, like cocaine, meth, and oxy. 
Hillary supports literally the smallest incremental change possible on medical marijuana. And she'd maintain the Obama administration's sit back and watch approach to legalization. That's right, Roscoe. It's, it's abominable. She just maintained the Obama administration's sit back and watch approach to legalization. She's on her, on her issues page. She only talks about broader criminal justice reform. She doesn't have a specific drug policy page and the Obama administration's sit back and watch approach has been nice for Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Alaska to move forward, but no state can move any farther forward, further forward, excuse me, unless there's something done at the federal level about banking, about taxation, about a lot of issues at the federal level. Bernie, by contrast, has an issues page dedicated specifically to drug policy where he supports, quote, legalized marijuana for medicinal use and ending the federal prohibition on marijuana, end quote. You want to know why Bernie's got a 70-point lead among millennials? It's because those millennials who support legalization by 71% are supporting the candidate who would legalize medical marijuana and end federal prohibition. Bernie even speaks directly to the young people affected by the war on drugs. He says, quote, if you do not believe that there is a correlation between high youth unemployment and the fact that this country has more people in jail than any other country on earth, you would be wrong, end quote. Bernie also minces no words in calling for states' rights to tax and regulate cannabis, saying, quote, in my view, states should have the right to regulate marijuana, the same way that state and local laws now govern the sale of alcohol and tobacco, end quote. And that's just one issue on which the millennials are very focused and Bernie is speaking to them. There are so many other issues that we could discuss where Bernie is speaking to them and representing their views while Hillary Clinton is speaking at them and reacting to polls. You could add these issues, the military. Millennials are the ones whose friends come home missing limbs from the Middle East. Bernie Sanders wants to end our wars. Hillary Clinton never met a Mideast hostility she wouldn't engage. College. Millennials are the first generation to start their lives with crushing loads of student debt. Bernie Sanders wants to make public college free, period. Hillary Clinton only wants to make it debt-free, where students would be forced to work 10 hours per week and families would still have to pay what they can for college. Banking. Millennials recognize their future was compromised by letting the big banks wreck the economy. Bernie Sanders wants to break up the too-big-to-fail banks and hold the swindlers accountable. Hillary Clinton's top five lifetime campaign donors are big banks. Gay rights. Millennials grew up with Will and Grace and Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. They don't have hang-ups about gay people. Bernie Sanders has been a stalwart supporter of gay rights for decades. Hillary Clinton just came around to supporting gay marriage in 2013, long after it became politically safe to do so. The baby boomers and the silent generation can pretend that millennials like Bernie Sanders because the boys are with Bernie and they hate Hillary Clinton because of vicious trolling and attacks. 
But the truth is, millennials have the internet, and they can look up Bernie's and Hillary's positions and clearly see who best represents their interests. For years, Democrats have lamented that people who were voting Republican were voting against their own self-interest. It's funny to it's funny to now see the establishment Democrats hoist by their own petard. Go Bernie! We're feeling the burn here at Rolla J Studios. We'll check up on those New Hampshire results on tomorrow's show. And we'll be right back after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I said on this program, what do they want? My grandchildren and the monster. <sighs> Did I scare you? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. We all know that Prohibition was a disaster. It forced alcohol into the underground market where it was controlled by criminals and consumers did not know what they were getting. It made us a nation of hypocrites and lawbreakers. Marijuana Prohibition has caused a lot of the same problems. That's why most Vermonters agree it's time for a more sensible approach. Tell your state senator it's time to end Prohibition and start regulating marijuana in Vermont. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing, I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 48 and a half after the hour here at Rolla J Studios. And uh, just going through some of our social media. Checking that out. At Radical Russ. Also, rejecting a call. I don't know why people try to call me between 3 and 5. <laughs> I'm busy. Make sure you're following at Canna Radio. That's the official feed for Cannabis Radio on Twitter, at Canna Radio. Somebody else got at Cannabis Radio, and we're trying to get it back, and we will eventually. But right now, it's at Canna Radio. And uh, like us. Like us on Facebook. Like us on the Spreaker page. 
you know, let's get those numbers up so that we can uh, sell more ads and get Russ paid. <laughs> That's right. Greed is ruining it. Greed is ruining everything. Yeah. My greed is like, wouldn't it be cool to be able to pay the rent every month? <laughs> I can't complain too much, though. I've got the best job in the industry, really. I, I wake up and I read about weed and I write about weed and I smoke some weed and I talk about weed and I talk to other people about weed and I fly to places where there's weed and people give me their weed and I report on that weed and then I smoke some more weed and I go to bed. I mean, that's not a bad gig. I really got to talk to my high school guidance counselor about a severe lack of foresight because uh, this beats the hell out of math teacher. <laughs> All right. I want to get to another story uh, that I had in the back burner here. And it's about potent pot. This is on live science. And there's some other places that are republishing this. So it's getting a lot of play these days. New study came out from the USDEA. And, and, and this is not a new study. This is just the latest report from Dr. El Soli down there at the Ole Miss pot farm, the United States only legal pot farm. For those of you who are new listeners, you might know, might not know, but the uh, United States government actually grows pot. Yeah, you may not have known that, but the United States government grows pot at a farm at the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, has been doing so for decades ever since Robert Randall sued back in 1978 to get medical marijuana for his glaucoma. And to this day, that farm at Ole Miss is supplying marijuana eight or nine ounces a month to two federal medical marijuana patients. Now, you may be asking yourself, wait a minute, Russ. If there's federal government weed being grown by the federal government being supplied to United States citizens for medical purposes under a federal medical program, how can the U.S. government possibly maintain that marijuana is a Schedule One drug with no medical use in the United States? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? <laughs> I, ain't got a, I ain't got a good answer for you because uh, by all the rules of logic, that should mean that medical marijuana exists, that there is a federal medical value to marijuana. But wait, it gets worse. The federal government actually owns patent number 6630507, a patent on the use of cannabinoids as antioxidants and neuroprotectants. Gee, that sounds kind of medical, doesn't it? But nope, that doesn't count either. Really, what's going on with, with marijuana being Schedule 1 is that the government says that it's a terribly dangerous drug of abuse that has no medical use in the United States. And since the government says that, then there is no accepted medical use in the United States. It seems kind of weird, doesn't it? That you'd, you'd think you'd have to prove something, don't you? But the thing is, the government doesn't have to prove a negative. And in this case, it's been sued. I mean, there's been lawsuits on this by Normal, by Carl Olson, by a bunch of people that have, that have sued the federal government saying, wait, this is bullshit. <laughs> you yourself say that there's medical use to it. How can you yourself say there's no medical use to it? And the federal government's response is, well, there's, we don't have to say, we don't have to prove there's a medical use for it. We just have to prove that there's not. And we say there's not. And that's all the proof we need. I mean, I'm simplifying it a bit, but really that's what it breaks down to. 
And then you get this pointing fingers, like where the executive branch, the president, will say, well, we can't do anything about that. It's up to Congress. And the Congress will say, well, we can't do anything about that because there's not enough studies. And then, well, how come there's not enough studies? Well, because the federal government says it's an illegal, dangerous drug. And so you can't study it because it's Schedule 1. It's an illegal, dangerous drug that has no medical use. Okay, well, how can we prove that it has a medical use? Well, if you had some studies, then maybe you could prove it has medical use. But, but you just said we couldn't get the marijuana for the studies. We can't get the marijuana for the studies to prove that it has medical use. Since we can't get the studies to prove it has medical use, it has no medical use. And because it has no medical use, we can't get the marijuana for the studies. Because if we had those studies, we could prove it had medical use. But we can't get the marijuana because it has no medical use because there's no studies. That make you just want to pull your hair out or what? <laughs> I mean, you should see me. I already have. It's it's absolute madness. And and that's what kind of drew me to marijuana reform, right? Like when I was in school, I liked math and I liked geometry. And I liked science classes. And the reason why is because in those classes there was an answer. Two plus two has an answer. It's four. And it can't be anything else. When you make your answer, it's either right or wrong in science. But when it comes to English and art and history and all those classes, it depends. It's an essay question. And maybe it's good. and Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a little good. Maybe it's a little bad. Maybe it's perfect. Maybe it's not so perfect. Maybe. There's a lot of maybes in there. So when I'm thinking of political issues, no other issue that I can think of is more math and less social studies than marijuana legalization. Like every aspect of the marijuana issue has a clear and definitive answer to me that is 100% defensible. Now, if I had to, to, to be talking a show on U.S. Israel policy. <laughs> There's not a lot of really clear answers there, are there? There's a lot of what ifs and maybes and depends in there. I'm not comfortable in that world. I like the world of science where there's clear, definitive answers that can be proven, that you can show your work and prove things. And to me, marijuana legalization is that issue. There's just It's just so blatantly obvious to me when you talk about the federal scheduling being a complete catch-22 tautological argument. When we talk about prohibiting something and how it doesn't help what you're trying to solve and adds crime to the problem. When we have the example of alcohol prohibition not that many years ago to look at that acts as kind of that historical proof that we need. When we get all of this it just makes marijuana so obvious to me. And, and the latest scare is this scare about the potent pot. And they're saying, you know, Dr. Errol Soli's lab is saying that marijuana has gone from an average of 4% THC in 1995 to 12% in 2014. And cannabidiol fell from 0.28% to 0.15%. Well, you know what made marijuana more potent and less CBD? Prohibition! 
Because the guy selling a bag of weed, the only thing he can market it with is how much it fucks you up. He can't market how tasty it is or how smelly it is or any of these other factors don't make as much difference to the consumer as knowing when you got one bag, one choice from one source that it's going to be potent shit. Now we're seeing, as legalization is rolling out, companies that are rolling out low-strength marijuana to newer customers or returning customers who don't want to get so fucked up. If you're worried about the potent pot, you should support legalization so everybody knows how potent the pot is and can make the decision for themselves. Folks, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us. For everyone here at Roller J, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth.